it's like Christmas times a thousand on steroids. <laughs> like everything is decked out in red, even though we weren't in China or Taiwan. The lion dance was a huge thing. The lion dance troupe practiced for months. It was just something my Chinese school threw together. And then I saw some of the next level stuff that some of the people do. Like they jump on each other's heads and simulate the lion going upright. That was nuts. That's when I was like, okay, some people are really hardcore. I mean, they would take that head and jump onto somebody's shoulders and get hoisted into that. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Roman. Gung hee fa choy. Oh my gosh, gung hee fa choy. Your pronunciation isn't bad for an Indian kid. I, I try, I try. <laughs> you know, I've had about a decade of being corrected by my Chinese-American wife. I think that's very cute. <laughs> so you got plans for Chinese New Year's? Mm, you know, plans. Ancient Chinese secrets? Can I be honest? I don't even remember what day it's happening this year. I've got to go look at a calendar now that you mentioned it. <laughs> It's a whole lunar thing, right? It's like same thing with Indian holidays. It's Every like, year it's, it's on a different same. day. Exactly. <sighs> well, look, my daughter, as you know, is half Chinese and she's getting old. And I am trying to figure out how to make sure we celebrate all the big holidays from our culture because my wife and I are very bad Asians. Yeah, I can relate to that. So what are you guys going to do this year? Uh Lycee dumplings. I'll probably look up something on the internet, like a paper cutting of an ox and put it on the fridge. <laughs> I, dude, I, I need help. I really, really need help. That sounds like more than what we're going to do. And you know what? You're in luck, Remen, because we've brought together some of our past Chinese American guests to help you become a Chinese New Year pro. Hey, Alice. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Hey. Hi. How are you guys doing? <laughs> You guys might remember my old Michigan, uh, by way of New York City pal, Alice Sue from our teacher episode. Yeah. And by now, you have heard me plug my other podcast host with the most Ryan from Quarantine Comics. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So guys, I need all of your family's ancient Chinese secrets and traditions, <laughs> provided it doesn't get you disowned, because I have a very steep learning curve. Okay, guys, but we can't give him all of our secrets. Got it? <laughs> That's right. fine. I mean, I'm I'm pretty whitewashed, so I don't know how many secrets <laughs> I have to give. And I am also kind of whitewashed, but I actually kept up with a lot of family traditions. So ask away and I'll see how I can help out. Well, I, let's go, Alice. Well, I, I got to ask a dumb question. Ryan, I think I kind of know your background, but like Alice... How Chinese are you? I guess I should ask. Like, did your parents come over? Did your great great grandparents come over? Did you come over? Like, what's your Chinese American story? Yeah. So, my background is my parents are first generation American, like immigrant Chinese Americans. They came over from Taiwan when they were in their late 20s. So, they 
arrived to Michigan. And so I guess, am I first generation American then? Yeah, technically. So they are technically first generation because they're the first generation to come to this country. Right. That makes you second generation. I'm second generation. Thanks for correcting yeah. me that, Sharon. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> you, learn, you learn something new every day on modern minorities. Well, wait, hang on. Because they're from <laughs> Taiwan, or do they yeah. say they're Chinese American or Taiwanese American? So that very interesting question, not a stupid question. So it's both. So my parents, their parents immigrated from China to Taiwan during World War II, post-World War II. So they were considered, I guess, first-generation Taiwanese. So it could go both ways. I think more like political and cultural views. If you want to identify nationality, then they'll say Taiwanese-American. But I think generally, like we are technically Chinese, but it's just trying to differentiate whether or not we actually came straight from mainland China versus coming from Taiwan. A lot of the traditions in Taiwan are exactly like Chinese. It's just more of a political national view during the post-World War of like the whole communist and the nationalist divide. And so most of the nationalists left China to go to Taiwan for their independence. But all the traditions of celebrating Chinese New Year is exactly the same way how it's celebrated all across the countries of China. So it doesn't really matter which region you're from. There's over 46 dialects. Chinese New Year is celebrated pretty much the same way. Maybe some different villages will have different types of food. So that's what would carry on the difference of the tradition. But all the traditions are all the same. It's celebrated across 14 days total for two weeks. And I think some families will celebrate up to a month because they're traveling from afar. So in my family, Chinese New Year just involves a lot of food, 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 and more food. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. I think for most families, food is the mainstay. And we'll get mm-hmm. into that more in a bit because I feel like on this show, we have like a whole section carved out just to talk about food. And Ryan, what about you? When did your parents come over? Uh, I'm pretty Chinese American. My mom and her family came from Hong Kong when my mom was five. So even she's very, very Americanized at this point. On my dad's side, my paternal grandfather came from China during World War II uh, because the Japanese were invading, essentially. And my paternal grandmother was born in San Francisco. So I don't know what generation that makes me. Exactly. It's a little bit confused. So you guys Uh, are like not fresh off the boat. You're from multiple generations ago. Like bread. Yeah. Well, my my paternal grandpa, he immigrated here in the late 40s, early 50s. And then my grandma, my maternal grandparents were definitely, I mean, I guess they're not fresh off the boat anymore, but they they sounded like it for sure. My grandmother's still (laughs) alive, actually. She still sounds like, I mean, the thing about her is that she does not like other Chinese who have come here recently, but she also doesn't like <laughs> native Chinese. So she's like, oh, they're all fobs. They're all fobs. And mom's like, well, you're a fob too, you know? So <laughs> I can confirm to that too. My dad, my parents would sometimes poke fun of the new fobs that come straight from China, saying that their English isn't as great, where my parents' English is pretty decent. But I'm like, who are you to critique other ones coming here? So. It's like, what vintage, what vintage off the boat are you? It's a little funny. But isn't that an interesting phenomenon, though? It's like, if you came off the boat after us, you're just a fob. But if you've been here for a long time, you're like too Americanized. It's just an interesting way they put other people in a hierarchy, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so Ryan, when I asked you to come on the show, uh, you were like, dude, I don't do much for Chinese New Year's. And you said you're a bit of a banana. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, I don't speak the language. My mom tried to teach me Cantonese when I was a kid. And I spoke it to her and she spoke to me. I would answer her back in Cantonese. But obviously, all of that died. You know, it's hard to keep up because I was born and raised in Central California. There's not a, like a huge Chinese speaking community there. Yeah, I think for me, I'm a weird exception, and Sharon can probably confirm this. Even though I identify myself as American-born Chinese, my family, they emphasize the importance of keeping up with our Chinese heritage, and they really wanted to make sure that me, my sister, and my cousins actually understood the history and the language. So I actually speak Chinese pretty well compared to other we call ABCs. My parents and my aunt and uncles, they were such a tight, close-knit community because there weren't that many Chinese or Taiwanese-Americans growing up in Michigan. It was a very, like, I would say 99.5%, like, majority Mm -hmm. Caucasian. So they actually formed and created their own Chinese school just to make sure that the children, myself, my sister, and my cousins, and the kids in our generation that we actually could actually learn the language and have the opportunity. So I actually absorbed a lot just because I wanted to. So I think I might be a little different than the typical banana or Twinkie. I am still pretty whitewashed, <laughs> but I retained a lot of the lessons and any information or stories that was told or passed down from my family. Sharon, did you have to go to Chinese school? I did. And I have to say, it was not my favorite thing. I found it to be very traumatic. Well, sure. Okay. I, I, I got to ask, because I mean, we're in COVID, so don't know if that's happening anytime soon, but it's something we've considered because my wife, her parents speak Cantonese, but my wife doesn't speak much Cantonese. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, we're like, should we do it? Because then she can totally be a spy for the CIA because she's a Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ramen, do it. I mean, your yeah, daughter. My parents are going to be so cool with that. Yeah. Your daughter might hate you for a while. <laughs> but honestly, Chinese school, like Sharon, it's like it's four hours depending how long it takes you to learn it. But I think the language is not as hard. But if you start young, it'll actually expand horizons to like learning other languages a lot more easily. And I think just globally with foreign trade, having Chinese as a second language, it's almost comparable to everyone learning Spanish these days. So why not? Hmm. Because I don't want my daughter to hate me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she might really love you and it'll be fun for you and your wife to learn it together with her. Oh, no, no, no. Hang on. If we're doing this, I'm sorry. I want those four hours to like do podcast editing or something. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a family activity. No way. <laughs> she can come home and teach you a couple of things, right? <laughs> when she's done. So going back to Chinese New Year, I think it's interesting that you're, you're two very different upbringings and the communities that you're around. And I'm just curious, what were some ways that you and your family celebrated this one occasion? Giving us money. I know that sounds sort of flip, and it is. But those are the but two things I remember. It's, that's it's a, a food. It. Yeah, it's a food yeah. and the money. I, I actually, I remember. Gosh, I was still. I was in high school and I was still collecting that cash. And uh, well, I remember my that. unpack that for our white listeners. Like you didn't. You didn't just get like a thick envelope, <laughs> right? <laughs> Soprano well, style. 
Right. Your older relatives give you the Lycee, which is that red envelope, and there's cash in it anywhere from like $5 to my grandmother was generous. She would slip in like 200 Which is, oh. wait, how old were you getting 200 bucks from grandma? <laughs> We're wealthy. In my in my teens, grandma would slip in. Grandma, grandma, oh, grandma. It's the walnut orchard wealth, is what it is. <laughs> no, you know, it's a stock market. Grandma played the stock market and she was good at it. Oh, I like grandma. Is grandma still yeah, around? Yeah, but she's not allowed to play the stock market anymore. I think, I think her mental health is deteriorating. Um, but she would give me she would give me stock tips. She would be like, oh, buy Bank of America, and then I'd buy it, and I wouldn't do anything. And then I'd lose money off of it eventually, or, or it would go down. And then I would complain to her about it, and she'd be like, you didn't sell it? I was like, well, you didn't tell me to. And she would say, like, well, you need to do your own research. Um, so, so, so she would- She would have so been grandma, a terrible broker. <laughs> yeah, I think she would just kind of tell me what she was investing in at that time, or what she thought was yeah. hot at that time. I mean, she bought Facebook like at 20, 20 maybe $30. Wow. She, yeah, so anyway- I, I don't so want to a- play a stereotype, but- Playing stocks is kind of like gambling. You Hell know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, grandma loves stocks. She loved the casino. They loved Reno, Nevada. Both grandparents actually really loved the stock market, both sets. But All right. So you cleared a lot of cash from a Lycee perspective growing up. What did you spend the money on? Did your parents like take it away from you or did you spend it no. on firecrackers? No they, were, they, no, they were pretty cool. You know, just, you know, whatever money I got was my money. And I, I would either just, honestly, I probably bought comic books from it. Yes. Why and and you guys, why the money? Like what's the significance of money on Chinese New Year? I'll jump in. So in Mandarin <laughs> we say hongbao red envelopes and money is just to grow fortune. So it's also associated with like the lucky number 8, fa fa fa. So when elderly or married couples are giving children or young ones some money, it's really just to grow their fortune. At least that's that's just pretty much. So you did know. You, so did you get a lot of money? Well, Alice, what's the money game for you? No, my grandma was not playing the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do parents give the kids money, or do only uncles and aunties and stuff like that give money? Whoever wishes to give it. I mean, I got it from parents. I got it from aunties and uncles, grandparents, and then if you're meeting other friend, like family friends, other aunties and uncles. If you're married, you also have to give a home bell. So that means sharing a ramen. You also, if I see you in person and I'm not married, you also should be giving okay, me. So a, avoid a all Chinese people for the next month. Like, exactly. And that's, how many days after Chinese New Year should I be avoiding Chinese people? For like a week. I was going to say avoid us for two weeks. Some families do celebrate for two weeks. That's true. Yeah. And then I think in China, it's like the whole month. Like you celebrate for yeah. an entire yeah. month. What's everyone's situation like with China? Like, I've been to India three times in my life, like six, 22, and 28. Like, how have you guys been back to China as Mm-mm. in your youth and growing up? I have personally never landed foot in China yet because previous years I've gone to Taiwan, but okay. the years I went to Taiwan, Taiwan and China's borders were still closed. So, China wasn't allowing any direct flights from Taiwan to China. So to try to get to China from Taiwan, you would have to go to Hong Kong, Japan, or Korea, or Singapore, another island to get to China. Yeah, and then you're playing like passport roulette. Right, right, right. What about you, Sharon and Ryan? Have you guys been back? Either, frankly, to China, Taiwan, or Hong Kong? Yeah, I've been back at least four or five times. As a kid Um, or as an adult or both? Everywhere? I think twice as a kid with my parents and then the other times as an adult. Uh, for me, there's no back. 
I haven't been there, either Hong Kong or China. And my dad actually has been to China more, which is interesting because he's he was born and raised in Los Angeles, but he's really interested in genealogy. So he would go to China and try to track down like the the booklets where they record the family history or the family uh, lineage. So that was kind of his big reason for going back to China. He also said he really liked going to China because if he just wears like khakis and a shirt and keeps his mouth shut everyone thinks he belongs there i think he was like <laughs> increasingly conscientious of being asian in america at that yeah. time yeah. so going there he'd just be like yeah i just look like another chinaman in the field i'm like all right <laughs> ryan i've been to china more times than you i guess <laughs> i think most i think anyone who's been to china once has been to china more times than, than me. and honestly like my mom has only been to china i think once i mean she was in hong kong when it was owned by the british and then she went back to china like once in like 2006 and she hated it she came back (laughs) she came back to visit so she came back after going to china i was in new orleans and this is right after katrina hit so it was you know everything was like you know screwed up there were like there was spray paint on the houses that said how many bodies have been found in the you know, so it was bad. And my mom came to visit me after China when I was in New Orleans and she was looking around. The city's been ravaged by a hurricane. And she said, oh, it is so nice here. It was just, she just thought it was really, really dirty and just a huge cultural, like just the cultural differences were, were too immense for her to really, you know what? I, my mom likes things clean. And so she really didn't like like the outhouses. She's, she's, she's more of a Singapore gal then, sounds like. Honestly, she's more of a Hong Kong gal. Yeah. To, well, maybe not now, but. You know, <laughs> back then, yeah. So, Alice and Sharon, when you went back to China, were you ever like I lived in Singapore for a while, and one of my biggest regrets was not being there for Chinese New Year's. I've been to China and Hong Kong a couple times, and obviously was not there for the New Year's. But have you ever been back during Chinese New Year's? I haven't. No. In Taiwan, I have. Yeah. No, but I've been back there for like weddings and big celebrations. But I, I do know how it's celebrated, like both in Taiwan and China. It's like Christmas times a thousand on steroids. <laughs> like everything is decked out in red, on on top of red envelopes. Um, at home, we also put up red banners, and they're usually written in gold calligraphy. And it's usually their string of four characters or eight. I think Sharon. If you go to Chinatown, you always see them selling them. And those are things that you post outside of your door, inside of your house. And they're usually like messages of good luck, good fortune, welcoming fortune, just like really good blessings and greetings. So that's something that's very common all throughout countries that celebrate Lunar New Year. So like businesses will have that. Fruit is a huge thing. So orange, I think... All of you have eaten oranges during Lunar New Year celebration. Um, the name orange in Chinese is Ji, which means lucky, Ji Xiang. So if in case you're wondering with why Chinese are obsessed with oranges during Chinese New Year, <laughs> it's because you're stuffing your face with fortune, more good luck, Ji. So that's another big thing around Chinese New Year. But Allison, Sharon, you guys are both... New Yorkers, you know, Sharon, you're a former New Yorker. Alice, you're in Queens, right? Like, do you spend any time in Chinatown in New Year's? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Chinese New Year in Chinatown. Pretty epic. Everything shuts down, like all the streets shut down so that they can have parades. And they're, well, when I was growing up, fireworks were still legal. And so 
there would just be fireworks everywhere. People just lighting them, which really wasn't that safe now that I think of it. But so there would be fireworks actually going off all around. So really, really loud and just confetti everywhere. People in the streets visiting family, all of the hustle and bustle, but like just lots of just a great vibe in the air. That's actually one of my favorite times to be in Chinatown. It's it's on yeah. Chinese New Year. Did you guys do any st- stuff as a family? Like going on, the st- were you out in the streets in the parades? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in my family, it's tradition to visit all of my aunts and uncles' homes. So we'll go from apartment to apartment in Chinatown. My mom is Buddhist. And so we'll go to the temple as well. And we'll pay respects to any of our ancestors where we have memorial plaques in the temple. So we'll light incense. Do you have incense. to like burn stuff? Like burn yeah. the fake money and the yep. fake food and stuff? Mm-hmm. We, we light incense. We burn not really money and stuff, but like we'll we'll bring oranges and some of those other things that Alice talked about to the temple as an offering. We'll say prayers depending on the year. Like my mom might have like a little fortune told. So there's a lot of great things about just planning for the upcoming year. And so it's kind of putting your intentions out, making your wishes, saying blessings, all in hopes that all of that luck and all that prosperity is going to come to you in the coming year. Yeah. So one of the things my parents made me do for like the Indian stuff, like Diwali, is like we had to do skits. (laughs) <laughs> and like talent shows and stuff. Does that translate into you guys' culture? Did your parents make you do cultural functions and things around the big holidays? We did the lion dance. Like growing up in Michigan, even though we weren't in China or Taiwan, we try to emulate as much of the same festivities. So the lion dance was a huge thing. So I remember my friends, I wasn't part of the lion dance troupe, but they were practiced for months leading up to Wait, it. There's like a troop? How big is the lion dance troop? Well, usually you have the drummers, right? There's about okay. three or four, how many people you can train to do the drums. And then the dance troupe, there's at least a head and the tail, and then two or three guys in the middle for the legs. So How old are these? Like, are these like little kids, teenagers? It was a blend. I think when when I was in Chinese school, I think you had to be at least eight or 10. And you could be the tail. But you had to definitely be like older, like 14 or 16, because the head, the head part is like really heavy. And there's a lot of like holding it up. So you had to have good arm strength. To like jangle the head with all the bells. I'm not sure if there like tryouts. Like, did people try yeah. out for the head and stuff? Yeah, like, that? yeah. Mm-hmm. like it's like a teenage. It's a very typical teenage boy thing. And so yeah. there's tryouts. You have to practice for several months. There's mm-hmm. choreography involved, yeah. and then there's different parts you can play. Yeah. So the head, the tail, but then there's also the drummers, the yeah. people that actually keep the beat. There's people that play other instruments, like there's cymbals, and then usually yeah, when the you're kind of in training, like if you're younger and you're too young to actually participate in wearing the costume, you might just follow along as part of the parade. So there's, it's almost like this coming up experience. And I was never really into it, but I know a lot of the guys I grew up with were, it was, it was an honor if you got to be the lion head. Oh, hang on. But as a girl, were you like, oh yeah, he was the lion head. I would never, I would never publicly admit that, but I have to say there was a little bit of cachet to Maybe a guy being known to do lion dances in Chinatown. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are the teasers. So there's like, usually they're females, but they also wear these like big heads where they're the ones like kind of teasing the lion to follow them. So like all along the parade, like if it's in Chinatown, they're kind of leading them down the streets and they have these like little fans 
And then at one point in the middle, there's going to be another group where they have the long pole and they have a head of lettuce. And then they're supposed to tease a lion to eat the lettuce. That's always part of the lion dance show. Like it happens every year. And the the whole thing about the lion eating the lettuce, lettuce in Chinese is Thai. And another way to say Thai is Thai. So that means fortune again. <laughs> There's a recurring theme with Chinese New Year fortune. So you're trying to tease a lion to eat the fortune. So there's more fortune that the lion is bringing and drawing out to the whole crowd who's watching the lion eat the fortune. What's the, Ryan, how, how about- what's the difference between lions and dragons? Because isn't there also a dragon dance or not? Is that a different mm-hmm. team? Same, same creature. <laughs> <laughs> different team. I think the lion. They say the lion is just meant to scare away, like the lion for whatever reason. I don't know. Sharon knows more stories to this. It's supposed to also scare away the bad, evil demon spirits. But I don't know why they chose a lion over the dragon. I always thought they were kind of the same. Are they different creatures? Like the lion was just sort of like a representation of the dragon? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was my assumption. <laughs> you know, But they're two I, different zodiac animals. They are. Well, they're definitely two different animals. And I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. too, if if there's ever a dragon instead of a lion. Oh, boy, I got the wrong Chinese people on this show. (laughs) It's usually the lion, but I mean, the lion looks so colorful like a dragon. It looks like a dragon. Yeah, now that you're mentioning that, it does. Alice, you totally just did what my mom does. You totally just like tried to to weave the answer and get out of it. Yeah, she combined two answers to make it into one. I mean, they call it Shizu. Yeah, Shizu. Shizu is lion. So I'm going to go with it. It's lion. I'm going to go with it, too. I'm with it. It's definitely a lion dance. Ryan, how did you celebrate in California, in on the Walnut Orchard or otherwise? I, I did the lion dance. We did the lion dance one year. Hey, where were you? Where were you? Were you the tail? They, were you would, the they, they would they would alternate us. I was the head for a little bit, and then I was. I hear the girls are into the. I hear the girls are more into if you're the the guy with the the upper body strength. Yeah, I was about thirteen, fourteen. I was too confused to even notice. <laughs> So did you but have you to would, practice and try out and everything like they do on the East Coast? No, it was it was literally like just something that my Chinese school threw together. And they're just like, do you guys want to do the line dance? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. And then I kind of saw like some of the next level stuff that some of the people do. Like they jump on each other's heads in order to kind of simulate the the lion going upright in order to grab oh, the lettuce. Yeah. And that was nuts. Like that. that's <laughs> when I was like, okay, that's some people are really hardcore. I mean, they would you'd have to carry take that that head and jump onto somebody's shoulders and get hoisted into that. It's like, what the hell? I mean, it's like, some, yeah, some of it is really cool, but I know I, all I did was just kind of walk around. Okay. So, um, another fundamental question. Where is this lion dance happening on your side of the country? Like, is it happening, Ryan, at like a civic center where it's only other Chinese Americans? Is it happening like at the elementary school and you're about to run into your white friends? Like where, where are these celebrations happening? In secret I, or yeah, yeah. In in secret, we dug a cave. No, no, but like candles. for, for no, Indian stuff, it was like we rented it out and only Indian people came. So I'd be in my Indian <laughs> outfit and in a skit, but only other Indian kids who were just as embarrassed were there. So it was fine. My white friends didn't know I had this like secret life. At the <laughs> my memory is is in a parking lot, but I don't think that's <laughs> that's necessarily every Chinese American experience. <laughs> And it was attended by neighbors and the community? The Chinese community. I mean, like, I'm from Central California, so it's not, like, a huge 
Chinese community, but it's still pretty diverse there. And there's still like a sizable Chinese community. So it's not like we were the only Chinese family in town. Yeah, that's cool though. So it's almost like an event or a show that everybody knew was happening. And then they all showed up at that time to watch it. Hey, yeah, Auntie Pinky, if you're listening, right. I totally want some pictures of Brian and the line dance. She doesn't have them. She was, she's from, they're from the Bay Area. This was in Central California. The Bay Area, Central California Man. people, they don't mix. <laughs> We're just well, trying, we, we, I got to get that picture too. I want to see you with the lion head, standing on someone's shoulders. Oh, I didn't do that. Off, just to kicking, clarify. Kicking I the lettuce with your foot and then like catching a lycee. Right, you can line. totally no. say you were doing it. No one will know who yeah, was. Yeah, I was doing it. it. It was it was amazing. You should have seen it. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine it. <laughs> so, what other family traditions did you guys have? I've read somewhere that you're supposed to like clean house, and then yeah. my mom, who's not Chinese, who is upset that my Chinese American wife has her son eating a lot more meat, says, "But on Chinese <laughs> New Year's, you're supposed to be vegetarian." So, did you guys do any of those sort of like cleansing sort of things? Yes. There's a calendar every day. There's a certain meal that you prepare on like what you can make, like seafood on one day. The one day is like all vegetables. So no meat at all, no fish. And then there's a day where you can finally eat meat. I think that's probably the fourth or fifth day. And then there's dumplings, long noodles for longevity but yeah, for like the first week, I think it's like a lot of vegetables. And then you slowly introduce the meat and then the seafood. Is that symbolic of something like demons or spirits or anything? Or just, <laughs> no, it's just tradition. It's like Whole30, you know, it's New Year's resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> Before you get back to eating five meat dishes in a meal, Sharon. Right. <laughs> yeah, like Sharon is saying her family is like Buddhist. There's a lot of the Buddhist cultures and values going into the way how the food and with why they calendarize certain foods. I think it's um, dedicating the certain foods to the gods and honoring the animals. But the cleaning house is very important too. Like it means cleaning out the old, like leaving all the old in the past. And then so you want to start with a new slate. Um, cutting hair is also a huge tradition. You want to cut your hair right before Lunar New Year. If you cut your hair in the middle of the two weeks of New Year, that's a bad sign. So cut your hair right before, or you have to wait all the way till the New Year celebration is passed. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, okay, so I want to fast forward to now. So, okay, everything you guys have told me is like the stuff you guys did as kids. Now we're grownups and we're not around our parents, more so now, right? So as you become adults, like what are the traditions? I'm totally going to judge you guys because I'm, I'm a pretty bad Indian kid too. But like what what do you actually do now? Like uh, you guys are kind of on your own. I mean, I put on a red shirt and... Uh, do you actually? Like, you go to work in a red shirt that day? I will, yeah. I'll wear... I'll try to wear as much red as, as as possible. That was just something that my mom said, just wear red. But, you know, we were also 49ers fans, so maybe that has something to do with it, too. <laughs> yeah, but four is unlucky. You can't wear a four. Oh. We, it, the logo's just SF. Got oh. it. Yeah, and that so kind of looks like it could be a dragon, the S. <laughs> yes, it's like red and gold. It's, like, it, it's, it's perfect. Gold. It's a perfect yeah. team for Chinese New Year's. Yeah, and then I mean, I, <laughs> I feel bad. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. I cook like mapo tofu or something like that. What, what is um, that? It's like the Chinese dish that all the white people order. You know, it's like a Sichuan <laughs> dish. You it, Roman. It's yeah, it's, you know, you know what it tofu is. Tofu and it's, it's super spicy. Uh, General Delicious. So's man, that's the dish to get. Come on, oh. I'm not that whitewashed. 
<laughs> hope, I hope you feel better about yourself now, Ryan. I was I was I was eating mapa. I ordered mapa tofu with like my friend's wife, who's Chinese Chinese. And when she saw me ordering it, she just rolled her eyes and looked like disgust. I'm like, you know, that's like- that's the exact move I do when my friends order chicken tikka masala. So, <laughs> oh, so that's my go-to in English. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Alice? Like as a grown-up, what are the Chinese New Year things that you do? Yeah, I've, I've actually just tried to carry on all the traditions like that my family did. So like when I lived with Sharon, <laughs> Sharon invited me to her family get together. So that was nice. I got some licey from her aunties. But like with friends or even like my neighbors in the past, like I try to round up as many people as I can. And I, I just cook as many dishes as I can and celebrate with. I definitely bring out all the fruit, like the oranges pineapple i also try to wear red probably not head to toe but something red and they do say try to wear something new like a new outfit so new shoes or new clothing and then just calling visiting friends and family as much as possible call your parents that's the other thing Mm -hmm. call parents call grandparents that's an absolute must yeah do you do like do you literally when you they pick up the phone do you have to say gung hi fa choi or the (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. one year i missed and i oh they were pissed that oh, was, that's not. That good. was actually that was actually really bad. Yeah, they, they, rich grandma was like, "No, way. I, no, I did not get the lycee that year," and that was that was <laughs> oh, pointed. No, no two hundred dollars for you. Not then. Or stock tips. <laughs> My go-to dish. There's a few, but the bok choy. There was like one dish was like bok choy with mushrooms. It's like the dried Chinese shiitake mushrooms. So that's one of the dishes I learned to make that I learned from my family. Homemade dumplings is another dish. And then the long noodles where like I'll mix it up with some seafood, a little bit of chicken and a little bit of beef and vegetables. What about you, Sharon? I guess before as a non-parent adult, what did you carry on? Or did you just go see your folks and eat? I just went to my folks. In fact, to be honest, even after having kids, I still very much leaned on my folks. But this year is going to be different because we're not going to be around my folks for Chinese New Year. So I'm, I'm actually, I feel like I've gotten more out of this conversation than you have, Roman, because it makes me realize I have to start, like, we've got to make dumplings or something in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to clean it. I've got to make sure I'm hanging these, you know, red calligraphy sayings around the house. <laughs> I'm going to have to do all the work this year. No, one thing I've been doing for years since my wife, or then girlfriend, you know, now wife living together, I've always look up a paper cutting and it's usually like a stock photo one. So I have to like manually color out the watermark stuff on it, but I print it out and I put it on the fridge every year. And my wife, it's just kind of like the silly tradition in our own house of me doing like the one thing. And, but we've started making dumplings as a family now, and we've got the whole assembly line thing. And it's hilarious to watch how bad my daughter is at making them. (laughs) They're still delicious. Like dumplings are one of the best things ever. So I'll take any excuse for dumplings. It's great. Speaking of dumplings, Sharon, Trader Joe's does make really good frozen dumplings. No, go to H-Mart. Get the H-Mart dumplings. Yeah. Yeah. Get the real Asian ones. Yeah. They're really salty, though. Mm, Yeah. There was one tradition. I don't know if it's just my family that did it or if any of yours did, but... My dumplings, when I grew up with my parents and our aunts and uncles, they actually wrapped 
coins in the dumplings. What? And it was like a game. So like, who's gonna choke first? <laughs> but it was just, it's like it was kind of like a game where like if you found a penny in your dumpling, then you would get a dollar. If you found a nickel in your dumpling, you get five dollars. And then All if right. you bought the dime, you got ten dollars. You kind of see where this after you is. choked on it. Was yeah. that unique was, your family? Because my family never actually yeah, did that. Yeah, I think it's just of... my family because when I've like asked my other friends whether or not their families did it, they didn't. But I think another tradition with Chinese New Year is that like games, like just finding some sort of game with your family to play. So I think with my family, that was just something they made the whole part of eating dumplings together a little bit more fun and mm-hmm. you know, just getting more money. <laughs> did you guys ever play yeah. Mahjong? As part of yes. the family tradition. Yeah. Yes. That was a big thing. And my when my grandmother was still around, that was her thing. Her Mahjong club would come over and they would just play all day. Fantastic. My first trip to China, I bought my wife a Mahjong set. And yeah, we've never played it since. Maybe we should break it out. This year. Yes. The kids will have so much fun with that. For me, with Mahjong, my memories of it, you know, because that was something that the adults would play when the kids would go to sleep. But those tiles were so loud i couldn't yeah. sleep so that's my memory of it it's just like clacking chattering at each other while i'm stuck in my bedroom reading the comic <laughs> books that you bought with your lycee <laughs> another tradition with the mahjong playing is usually the older they eat peanuts so it was like also another tradition <laughs> nice so what are you guys gonna do this year it's gonna be a little tricky because of covid <laughs> call my mom, call my dad, call my brother, call my uh, remaining grandmother who's still alive. Oh, Ryan, you're newly married. You don't have to call them. They, they can't send you money anymore. So, yeah, but I still I still call them. You know, I still I love my family. <laughs> Actually, so so when I said, oh, it's Chinese New Year, like my wife is, is Korean. She was like, you know, it's Lunar New Year. Chinese aren't the only people who celebrate it. Koreans celebrate oh, it too. I'm like, oh, it's okay. That's but right. So, they do. <laughs> yeah, so like... She has like her traditions as well. And they're her foods that she's going to probably prepare. Ryan Joe, when you were on our show last, maybe, has it been a year? Not even a year ago. I don't think you had a wife yet. Oh yeah. Well, we got married. Well, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> he had a girlfriend. It was the same girl. He had, a, yeah, he had a girlfriend, but like just hearing him say wife and hearing you say wife, I was like, wait, when did that happen? Congratulations. Oh, I'm just going to say good memory because like stuff as a guy, when somebody says girlfriend and transitions to like wife, I'm just like, it's just like zoom, like right over my head. I'm, so I'm just impressed that you kind of picked up on that. Thanks. Well, we talked for like 45 minutes and I learned all about walnut orchards and Sophie and learning Korean for her. I remember that episode. That's true. <laughs> I did. I did talk about that, that commitment. Yes. So Alice, you got to do something though. I mean, sure. The world shut down, but what, what are you going to do? You know, I think I'll probably do something similar to what I did for my birthday, which is I'll still try to prepare some foods on my end and then probably schedule a Zoom call with as many family members as I can. Uh, kind of like what Ryan's saying, like calling your, you know, calling mom and dad and grandparents. But I also have neighbors. So with a social distance, with everyone's comfort level, I, I still would like to just open up food and introduce them to all the traditional traditions I have. And then if Chinatown's open on that day, maybe try to head out there and just see if they're doing some sort of festivities. That'd be nice. Yeah. One thing that's really cool about living in this part of the country is it's actually an observed holiday in New York City, Chinese New Year's. Like kids get out of school for it. 
I always thought that was cool. So that's recent though. That's like the last five years, I think. It wasn't oh, okay. always that way. Mm-hmm. Wait, so would your parents pull you out of school then, Sharon, for Chinese New Year's? Oh yeah, I would never. We'd play hooky that day. And you were allowed sure. to. That's cool. I was allowed to. Yeah. So, what about mom dishes for Chinese New Year's? What's your favorite mom dish for Chinese New Year's? Not everybody at once. When you say mom dishes, are you saying dishes that our moms made or dishes that you would make as, as a mom? Well, Ryan, I guess you can't do one of those. And you've been on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know the question. We're hunting for the weird cabbage in a can thing. Um, I'll start. My mom makes a, such an amazing, it's like a Taiwanese sticky rice. It's got like that Chinese sausage, but it's made with a sticky glutinous rice. And it's just really fragrant with the dried mushrooms and onions and all this like dried shrimp in there. So I think that's one of my oh, favorite yeah. dishes for Chinese mm-hmm. New Year. I literally just asked my mom for that recipe actually. And she's like, it's not yeah? much of a recipe. You just throw you just throw everything into the rice cooker and then you mix it up with oyster <laughs> sauce. I'm like, all right. That's a recipe. I guess that's, I guess that's it. <laughs> Did you guys what ever do you- the, the, the sweet rice cake that you eat mm-hmm. at the, like for dessert? Cause that was also something yeah. that I was just yeah. thinking about. They call the near the cake. Yeah. And I think like sweet cake. rice cake, moon cakes. The moon cake, yeah. My mom would make, I don't know how to say it in English, but it's kind of like a turnip cake. How do you say it in Chinese? Um, Lobako. Yeah, or she would make lingo, which I don't even, I think it's like brown sugar and it, it's almost like a dessert type of a, a thing, but you, she would like fry them up and... That was always good. And shrimp chips were always really big, too, in, in our oh, family. Oh, I love shrimp, the shrimp chips. <laughs> so yummy. Soup dumplings are good, too. The sweet ones. They're like tang yuan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so good. I have, a, I have a question. How do you guys feel about chicken feet? Do you eat them? Do your parents eat them? And when your parents eat them, how do you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's one of America's top exports to China. Oh, chicken feet. Interesting. It ironically used to be one of my favorite dim sum dishes. And my parents would order it for me all the time to the point that I got so sick of it. I don't really eat it anymore. But chicken feet's good in small doses. Fake news. False. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I oddly enjoy having it once in a while just because it's such a weird texture and it's not something you'd have every day, so it's too hard to eat. It's meant to it's, get the you just kinda you, you just kinda you put it in your mouth and then yeah. you, you suck out all the things that you can actually chew or digest and you spit out all the bones. <laughs> yeah, that was always my issue with it. And also like seeing like the whole chicken foot coming out of like my mom or grandmother's mouth, I was like, huh, that well, doesn't seem like that's part of normal. that's like part of the experience though. Like <laughs> Yes. Visually, I know what I know what the teaser clip of the episode is going to be. <laughs> How to eat chicken feet? All right, guys. So, one last thing, like, give me a tip. What's the one thing I got to take away from each of you to do for my daughter for Chinese New Year's? One thing. Have you introduced her to Journey to the West yet, and the Adventures of the Monkey King? <laughs> Are you talking about the Damon Albarn thing? I saw that at Lincoln Center a few years ago. What's Damon? What's the Damon? I don't know what the Damon Albarn is. Uh, Damon Albarn, the front man for Blur, he actually put on like a rock musical called Journey to the West, The Monkey King. I bet it's probably related. I mean, there's a lot of, even like American born Chinese, that comic kind of like takes yeah. from The Monkey King. But it's a pretty famous Chinese story about a priest and his three 
kind of monstrous disciples heading to the the West to meet the Buddha. And but there's been like there are a bunch of children's stories, really beautifully illustrated. And there's also like a 1980s TV series that's actually kind of fun. I don't know. I just feel like it was something that I just remember very vividly. And every Chinese American person I talk to, that's been a big part of, of their growing up. The story of Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, and cool. how he escorted the Tang mm-hmm. priest to the West. I'm looking it up now. I got to find like a kid's version for her. Not the awesome rock musical that I saw. What about you guys? Um, what, should, what should I do? Ramen, I would say have fun with your daughter. I mean, part of Chinese Lunar New Year, and I think the traditions is celebrating life and having fun. It's like we talk about longevity, fortune, living a good life, all the blessings and the greetings that all these Chinese sayings that Sharon and I have said, like, like happy new year, just like having fun. Like those cuttings that you said that you researched, just have her get excited for that. The 15th day, which is the end of the Chinese new year celebration, marks the end of that period, is the lantern festival. So that's the day that you release lanterns into the air but that's also something that you could do as an activity which is like try to cut and make those little red lanterns and hang them around the house so i I would say yeah just get her excited about life and having this tradition wearing red eating all the food the family gathering that's really i think the point of chinese new year i think you should keep making those dumplings together because it's those memories that are going to be so valuable to her yeah Cool. Well, guys, Gunghi Fa Choi. Thank you so much. Gunghi Fa Choi. Gunghi Fa Choi, everyone. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi, mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ModMinPod. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here's a preview of our next episode. Oftentimes, I have said that my kids in the Bronx, they were segregated more off of classic economics. So when they have to go to their local haunts, they will see people of color. It's not until they go to a bank or an office building where they even see white people. There's this scary other thing. But I feel my experience helped diminish that throughout my career. My code switching has been my superpower. Not the business-facing switch when I go into the boardroom. It's the student-facing voice when I go into the building. It's the difference between me walking into the classroom in Detroit and instead of saying, good afternoon, students, I'm going to say, what up, though? You know what I mean? I can speak a language that many of my colleagues can't. And the kids make an immediate connection to that. That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon.